This is Reverend Kirk Lawton, minister at Ocean Lakes Family Campground, and this is our podcast. Our prayer is that this message may enrich your life as you find God especially meaningful to you. Thank you for worshiping with us. Good morning. As has been the case in the past several Sundays when we've been able to come to you in this means, it's a joy once again to welcome you to our Sunday service from Ocean Lakes Family Campground here in Myrtle Beach. We wish you could be here with us at Myrtle Beach at at, uh, Ocean Lakes. We have a beautiful day today as we have every day here, most every day. But uh, we're so grateful that you can share with us our Sunday worship service by this means. Today I'd like to begin by a rather controversial way of introducing the sermon. I'm going to ask you a question that may not be a very comfortable question for you. How's your memory? (laughs) Well, older folks like I am will say, I don't know about that preacher. Well, uh, do you remember things, say, if if you're older, could you remember something from 50 years ago, you reckon? Well, some things you can remember because they were outstanding in your mind. I remember something from 63 years ago. That was the year I graduated from high school. When I finished high school, I was given a little book, a book that was given to me by the Danforth Foundation, and it was written by William Danforth, who at that time was the chairman of the the board of Ralston Purina Company. We've heard of the name Purina. Well, Danforth was the chairman of that company at that time. I didn't realize the value of this little book when I received it. In fact, I didn't read it to start with. It was sometime later I read the book. But on several occasions since that day in 1953 when I got this little book as a gift, uh, I have reread the book and it continues to be a blessing to me. This book is entitled, I Dare You, a rather intriguing title. And it's a real challenge within itself. This book presents a fourfold development of life, which really describes very beautifully that abundant kind of life that Jesus Christ came to bring to us. Jesus didn't come to this earth just to give us restrictions on certain areas of our life. That's not why he came. He did not come to major his teachings on the thou shalt nots of life. John recorded the words of Jesus in John 10.10, very familiar verse. Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and have it more abundantly. In this little book, I Dare You, Danforth describes four areas of life which Christ blesses our lives with as we give ourselves to him, we receive that abundant life. So I want to invite you to look with me for just a few minutes at uh, these areas of life And let me give a word of preface though. We need to understand that the Christian life and life itself is not really divided up into compartments. Like I'm gonna live my certain area of my life today and then tomorrow I'm gonna live another kind of life. We're one one package deal. And uh, we're all together so uh, we can't just separate everything in neat compartments. Our Christian faith, for example, is not just uh, some optional little extra if we want to have that in our uh, existence. Rather, the the Christian faith is an essential part uh, 
that gives meaning to other parts of our lives. So, realizing this, therefore, I want us to look at these four areas of, of life and see how, as we give emphasis to these four areas, they relate to our life and, and so they, they show us how we can have that abundant living that Jesus talks about. The first area that Danforth talks about is the physical. He says, stand tall for God. I want to give several Bible verses to share with you, and these are very brief, but they all talk about the same thing. Paul is a man who really was concerned about the physical aspect of life. First, in Romans 12, verse 1, and I'm reading from the New International Version. He said, Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God. This is your true and proper worship. And then also in, over in Philippians, Paul uh, says in Philippians uh, chapter 1, verse 20, something of the same thing. These are his words. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. And then Paul also writing to the church at Corinth, that wicked city, corrupt church actually, Paul says to the Corinthians the same kind of thing, but in these words. Do you not know that your bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit who is in you, whom you have received from God? You are not your own, for you are bought at a price. Therefore, honor God with your bodies. Boy, those are powerful words if we really take them to heart. Honoring God with our bodies? Yes, we need to take proper care of our physical body. Because this is, as the Bible says, this is a dwelling place of God's Holy Spirit. It belongs to God. We are not our own. But how tragic is the fact that people so often have to uh, go along in life and lose our physical health before we begin to appreciate uh, our health or appreciate our body. Many young people particularly think that just because they can stay up all hours of the night do just about anything they want to do, eat whatever they want to eat and whenever they want to eat it, uh, overtaxing their bodies and everything will be all right. Well, we say young people, there are older people who do the same kind of thing and they get away with it for a while. But it may take years for the harvest to be reaped after the seed has been planted, but the harvest always comes. I read some time ago about an article in a school newspaper from the University of Kansas, which uh, gave some very clear teachings for teenagers. We've been thinking about graduates these past days. This article had a rather, a rather interesting title, Thing, 10 Things I Wish I Had Known Before I Was 21. Here they are. One, I wish I had known what I was going to do for a living, exactly what my life work would be. Two, how to take care of money. Three, the commercial aspect of being neatly, sensibly dressed. Four, 
that habits are mighty hard to change after you're 21. Five, that worthwhile things require time, patience, and work. Number six, I wish I had known before I was 21 that the world gives me just about what I deserve. Seven, that a thorough education not only pays better wages than hard labor, but it brings the best of everything else too. Number eight, wish I had known the value of absolute truthfulness in everything. Well, that's a big one. Number nine, <laughs> I wish I had known before I was 21 that my parents weren't old fogies after all. And the last, I wish I had known that my health after age 30 depended in a large degree on what I put into my stomach before I was 21. Very good words from that, the University of Kansas. You know, there's some people who treat their automobile or their dog or their cat with more care and regularity than they use in taking care of their physical bodies. You wouldn't let your car go for week after week, month after month, year after year without the proper service. How then can we ever expect our physical bodies to continue functioning normally when we fail to give our bodies the proper food and rest and exercise they need? Our bodies can run down. Now, uh, there are a lot of you who are watching this, this video and I know you. That a lot of people here in the, this area who, who see our, our program every Sunday, please do not go out of here today saying the preacher said I need to have an overhaul on my body. I'm not, I'm not judging anybody on that. Very few of us treat our bodies properly by giving them enough exercise. Uh, people tell us, uh, people who are in the know, that walking, for example, is an excellent way of getting proper exercise. Here's what one person had to say about walking, the best medicine. Two miles of oxygen, three times a day. This is not only the best, but it's also cheap and pleasant to take. It suits all ages and constitutions. It is patented by divine wisdom, sealed with a divine signature. Walking cures cold feet, hot heads, pale faces, feeble lungs, and bad tempers. Well, that's a big order, isn't it? Uh, he continues, if two or three take this together, walking, it has still a more striking effect. It has often been known to reconcile enemies, settle matrimonial quarrels, and bring reluctant parties apart to a state of double blessedness. This medicine never fails. I'm not trying to say here that physical conditioning like walking is a cure-all. We know it's not. But it is true that we ought to dare to do something to better the physical side of our life. All of us can improve. Let me ask you, is there anything you know that you could do, even beginning today, to improve your physical health in the next, over the next 12 months? Why not try it? This is totally in keeping with what the Bible teaches. I read earlier from what Paul said about all that, about, about our body being the, the temple of the Holy Spirit. This is a real part, a vital part, of the life that Jesus came to bring us. 
talking about that abundant life. I dare you, says Danforth, to give attention to your physical part of your life. Stand tall for God. But there's a second area he talks about, and this is the mental. And the way he says it is, think tall for God. The dare that's given to us in this little book, I dare you, is, in, is the way it says in that book is, I dare you to think creatively. Some of us may be saying, well, preacher, I can't do anything like that. That's just for young people. Well, admittedly, that may be true to some extent. But I doubt that any of us have used or are using to the fullest extent all the, the mental powers that God has given to us. If we're to think tall for God, then we have to have reasonable control of our mental capacity, mental faculties. I heard some time ago about a young fellow, this is many years ago, when they plowed the field, they didn't have tractors back then. This young fellow used to plow the field in the spring with a yoke of oxen. He would follow behind the oxen as they plowed the field. He would holler, gee, and haw, you know, left and right for those not raised on a farm. But those oxen didn't pay a bit of attention to the young fellow plowing. Finally, in desperation, the boy yelled at him. He said, all right, y'all just go ahead any way you please. The whole field's got to be plowed anyhow. Let's just go ahead and get it done. Well, that kind of restraint <laughs> doesn't really get things done. No person is going to make life count for Christ without having some mental discipline. We can't afford to turn our mental powers loose. Life has to be lived. The field has to be plowed. But certain disciplines are necessary if we're going to glorify God with our minds. I think one of the best mental disciplines I know is for a person to read good books. Now, I know some of you say, I'm not a reader. Well, reading books uh, improves our background. It stimulates the brain. Is there some book that you've thought of uh, that over the past months even, you say, yeah, I need to read that book, but just haven't quite gotten around to it yet? Why not decide right now that you're going to take some time every day or maybe once a week even, to do some constructive reading. I'm not talking about reading the newspaper or some current magazine with all the Hollywood activities going on. I'm talking about some quality reading. Set some time aside. Plan intentionally to devote some time every day or at least once a week to reading. Somebody said the person who does not read is no better off than the person who cannot, cannot read. A lot of truth in that. Think tall for God. Our mental development, that's part of the abundant life Jesus came to bring to us. But there's a third area, and this is the social. Danforth says in his book, smile tall for God. This is a good one. We're talking now about our relationship with other people how we get along with those around us. Let me ask you a personal question. What kind of personality do you feel that you have? Is it one that's attractive to other people? I read some time ago a couple of phrases that I think most of us would admit maybe don't apply to us, but we would like to have them fit us. They point up the kind of personality we would all like to have. 
The first phrase is this. Are you fun to live with? And the second phrase is in, in the form of a statement. We'll have a better time if you can come. We'd like for those to fit us, wouldn't we? Well, one doesn't develop a pleasing personality just by wishing it to be. Some little things need to be done. Some things that everybody can do. In a former pastorate here in South Carolina, I knew a, a wonderful elderly lady. Uh, she was not able to get out and drive a car. She was not a total invalid, but she was confined pretty much to her home. She took a real delight in keeping a little book in which she wrote down dates of certain things. Whenever somebody in the community got married, she would write down that date and the bride and groom's name. When a child was born into a family, she would write the date of the birth and the name of that child and who the parents were. When there was an important event that occurred in somebody's life in her community, somebody she knew, like graduation or, or whatever, maybe a work promotion, any kind of important event, she would write, jot that down in her little book. And then as the years passed by, this lady would often write a note of remembrance or maybe make a phone call just to say that she was thinking of that person on this particular day. That same kind of thing, you know, could be done for those who've experienced sorrow. Those anniversary dates of the loss of a loved one are all quite difficult for those of us who remain. Wouldn't it be wonderful to know that somebody else cared and remembered you on that date when you lost a loved one and that they were praying for you, especially on that day? You can do that kind of thing. It might take 15 or 20 seconds for you to pick up the phone and call somebody and say, I'm thinking about you today. It might be a difficult day for you. Our social development is one of the areas of life wherein we can have that abundant living that Christ came to bring to us. It, it can be demonstrated in small but very important ways. Many of us who are older are familiar with a book that was written by Lloyd uh, Douglas. The title of the book was Magnificent Obsession. The plot of this book is uh, quite fascinating. It's unique as it reveals in a very interesting way how a young man with all the social graces that one could desire learned the secret of real social growth. The story goes like this. He was a rich young fella, lived a spoiled, useless life. But one day an accident brought him up with a jolt. He recovered consciousness in a hospital to find that he had almost lost his life by drowning. His life had been saved, however, by means of a mechanical device which had been rushed over to help him, probably something like a ventilator, although many years ago that was not a common thing like we know about it today. This, this device came from the summer cottage of a world-famous brain surgeon who kept that in his home. But the tragedy of all of it was that while this device was being used to save the life of that rich scoundrel, the surgeon himself was drowned. The story goes on to tell how this young man, realizing that he had been indirectly responsible 
for the loss to the world of a great man resolved in his life to fill that great man's place by becoming an equally capable brain surgeon himself. That resolution this young man had turned his life around. It was for him his magnificent obsession. The young man found, however, as time went by that he would have to become more than just a good brain surgeon if he was going to fill that eminent man's shoes. This famous doctor had an even greater personality in an entirely different aspect, different area of his life. Literally thousands of people had been helped over the years in various ways by this wonderful brain surgeon. To some people he had given money. To others he had given his time. To others he had given his skill. But always these gifts that he gave without any money in return were given on one condition, that the recipient should never during the surgeon's lifetime reveal the source of their help. He didn't want credit for it. This doctor's theory had been that in giving of himself and his possession to other people, unknown to the world, he was contributing to his own personality. Story goes on to tell how it took uh, some time, but this young man continued to follow the example of that great physician, working out his magnificent session, practicing that same theory, and then has he marched on to the same reward. You know, I would hate to think that it would take some tragic thing such as that to give us a magnificent obsession in our lives. God has a place of great importance for you and for me, for every one of us. Some good for our fellow man that could be received by them from us. God's expecting us to do that. But interestingly, in so doing as we give to other people, the greatest rewards are reserved for those who render the service, not for those who receive the blessing that we give them. Now, if we're going to have the true abundant life that Jesus talked about, it recorded in John 10.10, we cannot stop with these three phases of life I've just been talking about, the physical, the mental, and the social. Because if we stop right here, then life would be nothing more than an empty shell. There must also be the fourth, the spiritual. Danforth in his book says, live tall for God. And this can be accomplished as we fix our eyes on him who is eternal. Paul says, set your affection on things above, not on things on this earth. I used to sing a little chorus that echoed that. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. I mentioned a moment ago about a little young man farming, plowing the field. I heard another similar kind of story about a farmer who was teaching his young son to plow. He told his son, now son, in order for you to plow a straight furrow, you're going to need to pick out some object on the far end of the field and you plow toward that object. Otherwise, you're going to have a winding furrow. You need to have an object you, you move toward. 
and very soon the boy was carrying out his father's instructions. But to the father's dismay, the boy proceeded to make a winding furrow from one side of the field to the other. Upon investigation, it was discovered that the boy had done what his dad said. He had fixed his eyes and his gaze upon an object on the far side of the field, but he was steering by the horns of a cow on the cow's head. The wandering of a grazing cow had produced frightful results for the boy. There's some of people today who ruin their lives because they steer their lives by things that change from day to day. But the people who move with certain step are those who fix their eyes upon an unchanging God. And with our eyes fixed on the Lord, then we can face the world and we can be equal to any trial, any opportunity that comes our way. I cannot look within your heart. Only God can do that. I cannot tell you what goal or goals you need to set for yourself in developing your life. Maybe a number of things that you already know that you need to work on. But we can rest assured of one thing. Jesus' quality of abundant life cannot be realized until we are ready to meet his condition of surrender of all of ourself to his lordship. And so as you, as you look at your life this morning, would you really be able to say that you have experienced or you are experiencing even now that abundant life that Jesus came to bring to you? It can be yours if you don't have it beginning right now. If you turn your will and the care of your life over to him. By the way, that's the first step of Alcoholics Anonymous. As you look at your life this morning, would you be able to say that, yes, that's what I want. That's what I need in my life. There is a verse uh, at the end of the Christmas story. You know, Luke chapter 2 is the, the best well-known well narrative of the birth of Jesus. And there's a verse at the end of that chapter that tells about how Jesus grew. Uh, this 52nd verse in that chapter says it so well, and I want to take the liberty as I close this message by rearranging the order of the words that they're given in the King James Version of the Bible. I don't think it does any harm whatsoever to the meaning of the verse to do it this way. Luke chapter 2 Verse 52 says this, And Jesus increased in stature, that's the physical, and in wisdom, the mental, and in favor with man, that's the social, and in favor with God, that's the spiritual. These four things that we've been looking at this morning, that's how Jesus grew. And as we follow the example of our Lord Jesus, the same kind of growth can be ours today, no matter what our age may be, no matter our circumstances, that growth can be ours. And we will experience what Jesus came to bring to us, abundant life. I dare you to have it. Pray with me.
Father, we know intellectually some things we ought to be doing, but we just don't have the motivation to do many times what we know we ought to do. And it's only with your help, O oh God, that we can get off dead center and begin to do some things that will bring us that abundant life. Help us, O oh God, to remember that the first step is always to surrender to you as our Lord. And then step by step and day by day, you will help us as we grow, as we mature, whatever our age, as we find the kind of life that Jesus wants us to have. Thank you so much, O oh God, for our Savior, not only who died to forgive our sins, but also who lives today to give us direction in our everyday life. For these and for many, many other blessings, we offer our thanks. In his matchless name we pray. Amen. And once again, we thank you so much for worshiping with us today from Ocean Lakes Family Campground here in Myrtle Beach.